Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something stopping you from taking that next step in your life? Is there something blocking you from being happy? Well, then you should check out BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is an online service that will connect you with one of their professional personal counselors in under 48 hours. Their counselors are specialized in many areas, including stress, anxiety, anger, and depression. You'll be able to schedule weekly video or phone sessions with your counselor in a safe and private online environment. BetterHelp is also more affordable and and a more convenient option than the traditional in-person counseling. We here at the 2-on-1 Podcast want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash listener. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash listener. My faith in the Montreal Canadiens has been restored. I feel good. And I feel like the person we have on today returning, it's Patrick Talon. Patrick, are you of the same mind right now, my friend? 100%. Could, Could not be happier with how that went. Kent Hughes. We are recording this uh, not long after Kent Hughes' introduction to the media, along with uh, Jeff Gordon and Jeff Maltz. And Jeff's everywhere. Uh, Hughes in the middle of some fun stuff. The Triforce, power, wisdom, courage. Distribute it however you want. I think, honestly, Jeff Gordon is very courageous to continue to face the French media who clearly do not like him. Anyway, yeah, big news of the week. Uh, the Canadians have hired Kent Hughes as GM. Interesting stuff. It seemed like he was their guy. And from the start, there was word about Hughes in that. Um, but before we sort of go too, too, too deep on this, gentlemen, I'm going to start with Patrick here. Um, just sort of if you want to give me a sense or two about just how you would describe that press conference we just watched. Well, I said it last time with the Jeff Gordon press conference that it was a breath of fresh air and everything you would have wanted to hear out of Jeff Gordon we heard. And then I think today... It was everything I wanted to hear from Ken Hughes and then even more. Every time he said something, I was impressed. Uh, he was almost, I don't want to say hostile, because um, that's definitely not the right word, but kind of combative in a way where he, he jumped in there where questions were sort of not slights against him, but just awkwardly worded questions. And even when they weren't even directed at him, he would say, okay, I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to chime in and actually comment on that. And um, I thought it was really good. I thought he, he seems like a no BS kind of guy, but he wasn't hostile. He wasn't, um, you know, I tweeted about Arpon Basu, how he doesn't have to have a yelling match with Bergevin anymore. He sets the record straight, very straight shooter, but he's also someone you can tell is pretty open-minded. Um, could not be happier with anything he said. And I don't want to keep saying I'll wait and see, but I'm going to say here, I'm going to wait and see at the deadline. I'm going to wait and see till they release a statement, what the next moves are going to be. But everything I've seen so far, I've been very impressed. And I think to describe it, it was just, everything people have wanted to hear that we didn't hear in the last nine and a half years under Mark Bergevin. Is it so, is it fair to say the, I mean, you kind of said it, but from what I was reading on Twitter, I didn't get to watch it, but it, it seemed like a complete 180 of what we expected from Mark Bergevin, not necessarily from what he said, but you know, him, uh, Bergevin and Molson seemed very chummy, chummy. They're clearly friends outside of the outside of the office. And I don't know, obviously, I don't think we're there yet, 
But is this a very different aura than when Mark Bergevin came in? I think so. And I think like Tarion and Bergevin were, were really good friends. Uh, Bergevin and Sylvain Lefebvre were good friends. And there was always that, like you said, that chummy chummy relationship between Bergevin and Molson. You don't get the sense of Jeff Gordon. And like one of the first things he said, he made a joke about it was, uh, no offense to Kent, but he's not my best friend. And they, they don't communicate that much as much as people thought. And that's where I liked that Hughes kind of stepped in and said, like, I'm not his best friend. And that's not why we're, I was hired. I'm hired because, you know, I want to work with this team. I'm excited about this team and all that stuff. I don't get the sense. Like, it's two business hockey men who want to make the best team available, who are going to continue to surround themselves with people who, um, have, who share the same vision, but also disagree with them, which is something you never got the sense with Bergevin. He hired his buddies. And I remember, um, Adam, you had said, you know, Bergevin never cited analytics. And when he did, you said it was, they, they use it like a spare tire almost or a spare screwdriver. Yeah. Spare screwdriver. And it's, it's, it's something they might think of. Um, but yeah, I don't get the sense that these guys are our are, are best friends or it's about, you know, Terry incited, um, I think in 2014, the importance of when you're down in the foxhole, you want to have a foxhole buddy with you talking yeah. about Terry. if you want loyalty by a dog, all these sort of recycled cliches, you didn't get that. You got just straight shooting. This is the plan this is what we want for the team. And I think it's good that they're not buddy, buddy. And I also think it's good that they're going to continue to, you know, there's still an assistant GM position that needs to be filled and um, director of scouting that needs to be filled as well. So um, I think that for the first time in, I guess, as long as I've been a fan, at least they are hiring the most competent individuals to run this hockey team. Um, and it's, yeah, couldn't be happier. Can I ask a question before uh, you go Adam? I, I'm curious from both of your standpoints, like what's what, after listening to that press conference, what's the expectation of, you know, of Gordon's role and, um, and Kent Hughes role in terms of Kent Hughes has a, a history clearly of negotiating contracts that's that's there but making trades and and maybe the other day-to-day hockey operation stuff isn't necessarily his forte yet is the expectation expectation is that jeff gordon is gonna do that type of work and kent hughes is gonna stick not stick to but for now look at the business side of it mind if i jump in first patrick Uh, I think it was a big theme I saw of the press conference was uh, a lot of mention of a sort of brain trust of being open-minded. So I think no matter what the decisions are, even if it's final, say from a Gordon or if it's he was on the other side, it's going to be an open communication with probably those two, whoever the AGM is going to be. Um, There's always been this sort of sense from the media that it, this, the, I think Friedman said that the, Access of power right now is is on Jeff Gordon. Um, if you want a good negotiator doing a trade, I mean, I think Hughes has got the proper thing. But it feels like even that kind of decision with the trade, I'm sure if they're talking to the Panthers about Ben Chirot, I feel like they're both going to have a say in it. Kind of like when we saw in the um, in the Leafs All or Nothing series, it was it was Dubas on the phone, and who knows which one of them ended up doing it. But Shanahan was there to give the thumbs up. Maybe Hughes is there, and Gordon's at the same time being like a sort of up, down, you're going one way, you're going the other way. But what do you think, Pat? Patrick, shouldn't call you Pat, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, I think I think in a way, he kind of, he doesn't remind me of Eric Tulski, but the consultant in um, in uh, Carolina, he's the assistant GM, and he works exclusive, not exclusively, but his main focus is analytics. 
and looking at play drivers and, and presenting analytics um, with uh, to uh, Carolina's GM. So um, I think he will serve not just as the figurehead to speak to the media, but I also think Montreal could have made it a little bit clearer initially from their first press conference because they got so many questions about it as to what the rules are. As president, which is Gordon's role, he will be handling the day-to-day, a lot of the a lot of the decision-making, but he's also going to have this GM who's a figurehead, but that figurehead is also going to emphasize analytics and player development and scouting and contracts. So I think more of a consultant who handles the negotiations, but I also think they're going to collaborate on a lot of the deals that are being made, whether it's at the draft table, whether it's um, making trades. I don't think it's exclusively one or the other. I just think, um, yeah, I think they'll, I think for the most part they'll work together. And I think I've wanted someone who is, brought up analytics and who really sees the value in analytics. And he said today, offensive minded, uh, fast team. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think they'll work together and, um, his own sort of department of analytics and contract negotiation will be his, his strong suit. Uh, quickly, just cause Daniel, I feel like we left you in the weeds a bit here. Um, what do you think of the press conference and your initial sort of thoughts here on Kent Hughes? Um, for me, I think it's his long-term vision and what he said, and he said he doesn't care what the word is, retool, revise, rebuild, or anything. He just wants to build a team. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think that's super important because I think that you you look past last year. That's in the past. You don't focus solely on what's happening this year. And you know that right now you there is a plan in place where he's going to be patient, but he's going to still be aggressive with moves. That... You're not going to be a Dave Nonis and try to just stay where you are. But at the same time, you're not going to pull the trigger like a Paul Holgram every, every time. So that's what I liked. It was, I liked, that's what I liked about it. It was very reassuring for me. And it just, it struck the balance for me really well. There was a, the quote basically Daniel speaking of here is uh, to paraphrase. Uh, he wants to build a team that can win long-term, not just next year, uh, yeah, he doesn't care if it's the word. If it's reset, retool, rebuild, which I thought was smart because I feel like nowadays, if you say rebuild, it's like, all right, three, four years, let's go. And then maybe have Pierre Dorian saying, ah, oh, we're good now. And then this ends art. <laughs> or is there uh, Mike Babcock, five years of pain? You no, know, it's going to be bad. And then, you know, when, yeah, and it's still bad. Uh, going back, I wanted to connect Patrick and Alex's points there. Um, you can see a big difference I noticed when you look at Hughes compared to Bergevin is, again, yes, Patrick sort of mentioned it. Um, Hughes wasn't afraid to push back on the media, um, but it was nowhere near as aggressive as Bergevin would be. Like Bergevin would take it personally when Hughes is very much, I think there was one question, I can't remember exact specifics, but he, I think it was to do with the best friend thing. That narrative was very much pushed. And um, Hughes said, listen, I don't think I'd be here if I wasn't the best candidate. And he, but even he went back, he said to the reporter, I don't think that's what you're trying to say. So he was he was being um I think he was being respectful. Yeah. So I, I like him. I like him a lot. Um some other stuff kind of looking here. Okay, I really thought Unity when I was watching this. Because first off, by the way, I, I just wanted to say like there's a certain you can tell this is a new era. And I would not be surprised if for those of you who have not seen it, the visual of the press conference was so cool. They do it on the ice of the Bell Center. And in the background, the Jumbotron is brought down as the background. I, if that's Chantal doing her job, she's been doing it great lately, and I bet it was her. Um, 
And then there you go. You see Molson, you see um, Gordon, and you see Hughes, and they're together. And I thought there was no better example um, than Jeff Molson was asked a question in French. I don't know who the reporter was, but um, so Molson responds to the question asking if he can say it in English, or sorry, if he could answer the question in English so Jeff Gordon can contribute. Apparently, the reporter said no, and Jeff Molson said, he's like, I'm going to speak in English anyway. I love that so much. I cheered. I, I texted Patrick this. I'm like, I cheered out loud when that happened. That was, oh, go team. Love to see it. Yeah, you you bring up unity, like you bring up that idea of unity, and it's very different than than what was under Mark Bergevin. I I, I want to call it a modern approach, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong, but it just feels the direction of how they're moving this team on the ice, but more importantly, I think to start off the ice is is more of a modern approach than what it was under Bergevin, which just seemed like, okay, I, I, like we were saying, I'm going to hire my friends and, um, and, and then we'll just go from there and there's no plan. It's just how it goes. It seems like right now there is a plan um, with the best available candidates and this is what we're going to do. And there's things will change, but it will fit within the plan. It didn't seem like it was like that before. I'd like to like mention there that, in terms of unity, it's the right type of unity because I remember um, in our last episode, Patrick, you mentioned about Mark Bergevin making lateral moves and eventually when that management team was gone, we looked at, okay, so look at the certain players they did draft that they did really well in and then they, yeah, they kind of just left it there and we just saw a lot of movement with the same role players, but the same franchise guys were there and there wasn't really that idea of like, what are we going to do for the next big move? Yeah, I think, well, there was that analogy where Bergevin had a leaking ceiling in a bunch of buckets, and instead of getting new buckets, he just moved them around, kind of ship, solving a problem, creating another, um, you know. And I think to touch on the modern-day comment, everything about them, there's a lot more transparency. For example, like the first practice before the Arizona game, maybe it was the Dallas game, one of those two, but they Chantal McAvey listed all the injuries Um with like extensive detail, everything that was going on that way, they didn't have to wait to have a press conference to ask to charm. What's the status on these guys? What's the status on these guys? And they're a lot more updated. Um, even last night, Montreal tweeted a Jordan, a Jordan Harris goal. And everyone's like, they never would have tweeted this two months ago. Is that a sign? Because obviously Hughes has the connection to Harris. Maybe they're going to start posting more about that stuff. Everything kind of seems to be like you said, the new era. And I always think back to the Leafs when they sort of announced their, their rebuild the Shanna plan and, and he said there's going to be a lot of pain obviously Montreal didn't go that deep into their comments about a rebuild but they are being transparent with how they want the team culture to be obviously an emphasis on character but I found Bergevin was so limited in his assessment of players just to talking about character but he never cited skill or having a fast team or having an analytics department it was very just okay, this guy, Andrew Shaw is a winner, for example. We need to get Andrew Shaw because he's a gritty winner. And there's truth to that, but you also need, you know, the Canes and the Taves who will get you there as well. And he seemed to always focus on the Shaws and the Bickles of the world. But, you know, Kent Hughes talking about all this stuff about a team being fast and analytics. He mentioned analytics like seven times today and um, the importance of that. We never heard that. So, and just everything, the way the outlook looks so far, I'm I'm very, uh, very excited. 
when I listened, sorry, uh, sorry, Adam, when I listened to Mark Bergevin, it felt like I was listening to a French version of Mike Babcock sometimes. Not far enough. I think fair enough. Burge had a bit more personality and style. Yeah, yes, he had a bit more personality. But like the way they talked about players, it's like, what does this have anything to do with See, playing hockey? You, can you imagine Mike Babcock hugging his players? Oh, no, yeah. I, I can't. I can't, especially not in Toronto. Um. So you mentioned the uh, the Jordan Harris stuff. This is a tweet from John Liu uh, that came out a couple of days ago. Uh, fun fact about Habs Kent Hughes uh, is ties to Northeastern University in Boston. This year's team, uh, his sons, Riley and the Rangers, uh, sorry, um, his sons, Riley, a New York Rangers prospect drafted by Jeff Gordon in 2018, Jack, who is eligible this year, uh, as well as Northeastern, uh, Habs D, uh, prospects Jaden Struble and Jordan Harris, who famously, Alex made a good tweet about this. Uh, earlier in the year, Bergman said, well, if it happens, it happens. If he goes to New York, whatever, because if you don't know this, he can be a free agent at the end of the year because don't we love the NCAA loophole? Um, no, we don't. We kind of hate it. Uh, we hate I it. <laughs> I wanted to mention about Jeff Gordon. He's like, he's got a good sense of humor, a friendly guy, but he just keeps like, you know, the thing of no offense. Kent's not my best friend. I wouldn't want any of my best friends running this team. I wouldn't do that to you. And they're just not giving him a chance, the French media. It's, I feel bad for him. I, I love Jeff Gordon. He's I was surprised that there there weren't uh, there weren't too many comments actually. I was expecting questions about uh, Hughes's ability to to speak French and communicate because you can tell there's a little bit of an Anglo accent, which yeah, not, all four of us it doesn't really matter obviously, but to some people it really does. And I was I, I was expecting at least one or two questions about that, and I'm surprised that there weren't a lot of it. Was you know I found the bulk of the questions were about his personal relationship, but the questions yeah. about you know did anyone ask for a trade, which Obviously, he's not going to answer that. He's not going to say, yeah, these players. But the questions about the analytics department, how he wants to build a team, what's important to him, I thought were really good. Um, and I'm surprised that the media took it pretty well. You know, when I was listening to it, yeah, it was, I think the first few sentences, like obviously you just kind of, you tune in to be like, all right. Like I, I could just sense that there were certain reporters just kind of going. And then when he went, I don't know if this is me being crazy, but when he spoke English, it was, I don't know. It just, you could tell that he's not been like in Quebec. I don't, I could sound really crazy there. I don't know how to study that stuff, but when he spoke English, I was like, I feel like somebody's going to pick this up. And yeah, I was expecting the kind of question of like, can't he use it? It's not a very French name. <laughs> yeah. Well, hasn't he been in Boston for yeah. many years Apparently, now yeah. for yeah. running the, his agency? Yeah. I'm not saying he has a Boston no, accent. No, no. We just, uh, <laughs> It was, but yeah, he's been in Boston. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, wasn't that the thing with Gordon? Isn't Gordon also from that area? And you, yeah, you can very much tell his act. You can very much tell for his accent. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Where else could we go here, lads? Well, um, do and yeah, we mentioned it each of us a few times. Um, like Gordon's original press conference, he was mentioning stuff: a skilled, fast team, a possession. Uh, and yeah, again, big, big thing in analytics. Which I, I every time I heard analytics, I'm like Patrick's. He's smiling more and more right now. I can just tell. Um, something else I thought finding very, very interesting was um, this is a line that I, I popped when I heard this. Hughes, and this is a French translation, so excuse me if it's a bit off, but um, saying that if a player isn't performing well, they want to figure out why that's the case. When it feels like in the past, if somebody has faltered, instead of helping a player up, they've just sort of let themselves get up, if you know what I mean. Um, KK is not playing well. We're not going to explain much to him, but send him to Laval for a week or two and look how that 
turned out. Um, feels like there was never much communication with Alex Galchenyuk. Look how that ended up. Um, it just, uh, I thought that was refreshing to hear. Um, you know what? Character is a term that I think in the city of Montreal, especially in the hockey side, has been, it's almost a meme at this point. But when I heard Kent Hughes mention character, I felt like it really meant something. And uh, the term, I think, what it means to, what, are, what is it going to mean to be a Montreal Canadian? We know what it is to be a Boston Bruin. We know what it is to be, you know, what an old fashioned sort of, we knew what the Habs were back in their heyday. Now it's the seventies and that's a long time ago. The flying Frenchman, we knew about that, but we what's did. been we lost nowadays. Sorry. We did. We did watch it at the time. So of course, Daniel, you, you just had your first son, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's, what does it mean to be a Montreal Canadian? And when they mentioned culture in that, that's what you have to establish. You can't have, and also in the press conference, he's mentioned, apparently you talked to Bill Guerin. And Bill Garrett had mentioned, you know, it's there's the Cowboys, there's the Yankees, and the Montreal Canadiens. That hit a chord with me because it's like this franchise that I have sold out to so easily should have an identity to it. And it shouldn't be bottom six grinder with undescribed character. It was when I tweeted that they've restored my faith. Like I mean it. It's it's so weird to think, but I, I believe in this team again. I'm, I don't want to get hurt again, Patrick, but I believe. So I, we, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Patrick. Go ahead. oh, no. Sorry. I was going to say a small joke. I'm like, so we're not going to expect a Michael McCarron or Nikita Sherback type of draft pick anytime soon ah, in the first round, at least. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot of reasons to be, uh, to be optimistic. And I don't want to come across as negative because the press conference from Gordon a couple months ago, press conference today was really good. I really want to see how they handle uh, the deadline. And I'm confident in how they handle the deadline. Um, but I don't want, you know, I don't want them afraid to make certain moves. But so far, I have no reason to, to have my doubts because you have a extremely experienced and competent uh, general manager who can handle the negotiations. And you have uh, Jeff Gordon, who's been in the biggest markets, Boston, New York, and now Montreal. And they do need an identity. And it's nice to finally have one. And you touched on character. And I don't want to spend the episode ripping Bergevin, but his his talk about character uh, was not really reflected in his signings and his player acquisitions, the reported interest in Slava Voinov, the interest in Tony D'Angelo, um, you know, drafting Logan Mayu. That's the, I should have said that first, honestly. Um, character, I don't think meant as much as he let wanted people to believe. Um, and I think there's a legitimate identity and, and hopefully you know, when when they had 24CH back in, I don't know if you guys watched that show, but that, that was um, so good. Great show. I wish I wish they kept it going. When they had that back, they started that around the time that Terrian was hired and he was talking about team identity and it was a tough, tough team, which I think obviously you need to be tough to an extent. But he was talking about, he was saying how they were being fancy and he was citing cycling the puck in the offensive zone and skating around as being fancy. He said, you need to be north, south quick dump the puck, chase, throw it on net, get the rebound. Hopefully someone's there. And he's yelling at them. He's saying, we're a grinding team. This is what we do. You had Alex Galchenyuk a year after being drafted on that team. And it touched on, you know, how they don't communicate necessarily with their young players. If Dale Weiss or David DeHarnay are having a hard time, they're going to get power play one time and they're going to get first line minutes. If it's Alex Galchenyuk, Jesperi Karkiemi, who whiffed on a shot or turned the puck over, I'll say Cole Caulfield, and maybe we can get into that discussion because he's been pretty frustrating. It's... It's demote him, take him off the power play, bench him, call him out, send him down. 
And I think talking about solving the problems with players who are struggling, specifically young players, because this is a team that we hope is going to get younger, that we hope is going to get more skilled. You want personnel in place who will get them to that next level and not bench them after turning the puck over when a veteran, um, a more experienced veteran who shouldn't turn the puck over would make the same play, but still get out there the next shift. So on that note, uh, we won't talk about Dom Ducharme because I, I, sorry if you can hear the dogs, um, unless the mic, oh, it's still working. Thank goodness. Okay. Um, Cause I, it doesn't look like I, it, if Ducharme's back next year, I'll, I, I don't know. I'll jump into the river. In he the slipped up. He slipped up today. He, he mentioned, he mentioned at the end when he talked about Barry Trotz, he, he subtly said, well, to choose a coach and everyone freaked out and said, Oh, that means Ducharme's gone hundred percent. So I think he, think he might have let one slip there a little bit i do think he's gone though for sure when he's like i'm anxious to talk to him like boy i would love to be in that room yeah um i tweeted the other day that it's incredibly frustrating that dom ducharme seems to have more trust in rhett pitlick who's been here for a week than in cole and i i swear um now that Toffoli's back, the moment Cole's healthy, and I think they were saying that by the end of February, or time in February, the taxi spots are going to be gone. I am terrified that he's going to get sent back down. Um, do you want to talk about Cole then? Because elephant in the room, uh, he has one goal. Uh, I think Brett Pitlick in his time as a habit has as many goals. Um, but yeah, if you want, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, semi, well... This might be a semi-hot take, or I don't even know. I don't know how it's going to get received, but I honestly think they should consider sending him down. Um, and really? this is some, yeah, well, kind of just because I'm, I've been on the, I've had the view for the longest time and I still have that. And I think the main reason he's struggling is, is Don Ducharme. It is his deployment. It's his ice time. It's the way the power play works. It's the way he's being used. It's having no patience with him. Um, you know, him and the bumper, I don't get that. You know, yeah. the fact that Jeff Petrie and Ben Sherratt, they take shots at, you know, penalty killer shin pad instead of looking at a wide open Cole Caulfield. I can go on about why he's struggling. But at the same time, and, you know, someone put out a poll on Twitter that said, who's been the most disappointing have? Uh, Petrie, um, I forget who else was listed, uh, Anderson Gallagher, but Caulfield wasn't listed. I said Petrie was the most disappointing, but Caulfield's right after him because even though you're not, even though you're struggling because of your head coach, when you're that good of a prospect, you still have to break through it. And I was kind of expecting since we last recorded that eventually he kind of get going, he'd have a little more jump in his step. There's not a lot of energy there. Um, honestly, I think his body language is a little bit off. And I think when you're that elite of a prospect, cause he is an elite prospect. And um, I guess we're, we're getting past the point where we can call him a prospect anymore. When you're that talented a player, you have to show something despite being on the fourth line, despite being taken off the power play. And um, I'm kind of expecting, or I was expecting him to do that. And honestly, maybe a couple of games in Laval might be good, but at the same time, you don't have a skilled center to play with in, in Laval, but you're also not giving him a skilled center to play with in the NHL, you know, sticking him with Pizzetta on the fourth line. So, you know, eight points, 29 games. I know it's a bad team. I know everyone's injured, but, maybe a conditioning stint, maybe just getting him a little more minutes down there. As much as it sucks to admit, because I had him winning the Calder, and I know a lot of people did, and he came off that hot playoff, but it's a significant drop-off. But this isn't the player Cole Caulfield is either. We saw what he did in the playoffs. We saw him, you know, terrorize Robin Leonard and the Golden Knights. We saw him 
against Winnipeg. He was all over the place. Even the Stanley Cup final game, he had end-to-end rushes and rang them off the pipe. Like he, he's a talented player, but um, maybe just a change of scenery for a little bit might might benefit him. You know, he's a guy that you know at his best. He's got great hockey sense. He's got an underrated playmaking ability, and yeah, there's just there's been no explosiveness lately, especially maybe the beginning of the year. Um, even me, and I'm a huge homer for goal, and uh, much as you, I hate Dom. At some point, it's like, man, I just need you to put a puck in the net. Um, even though it took way too long for them. I oh, here's it. So right before Hoffman went down, they finally set the power play up the way they should have. They had Paling in front, Suzuki in the bumper, and then Hoffman and Caulfield on either flanks. Then Sherratt was QBing it because who else did you have? Um, okay, to finish off then, Patrick, since we have you, and I think we, we're still kind of planning closer to the deadline. We have you on again. Uh, I'm just going to read some names, and I want you to tell me if at the deadline, day after, will they be Canadians or not? Okay. Um, some of them you're going to expect, maybe some, uh, who knows? Uh, I'm just going to ask players who I think probably have real value here. Jonathan Druin. I think he'll be a Canadian after the deadline. I think that's not, I think if you move him, it's an offseason move, but I think he'll stay past the deadline. Too big of a contract and he's been too disappointing, I think. Fair enough. Uh, Mike Hoffman. I think that's next deadline. Okay. Um, I know your favorite player, Christian Dvorak. Uh, he will be a hab. Yeah. Um, he said he wants to be a part of the future. I don't believe it. Tyler Toffoli. Uh, I think he, I don't think he's guaranteed, but like he's not at the top of my, my trade list, but I think he's definitely in the top three to five players that could be moved. And he's healthy. A couple points last night. I think he, I say, I don't want to say 50, 50. I think he could get traded. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, who could use Tyler Toffoli? Calgary, the Vancouver Canucks. Game on the half. Sorry, sorry. The, the first game of the season I didn't watch, they score five against Dallas. Who do you think you are? So mad about that. First time I, I play Halo instead of uh, watching the game and they disappoint me. I sit down and watch them play the Coyotes and lose. And, mm. Anyway, remember the remember Kent Hughes. We like him. Uh, who else do it? Archery Lekkonen. Our, our dear sweet boy, Archery Lekkonen. I. I started writing an article on, on Lekkonen. I'm a big fan of, as you, as you, you guys have seen my Twitter, but he, he's someone that I think can get a lot at the deadline. Um, I don't know if you, how into analytics you guys are, but evolving hockey, they have him as a top five Selkie candidate. Cause his, he's having a career year on a God awful team. And you can see the charts where it's broken up into good offense, good defense, good offense, no defense. He is peaking where everyone else on the Habs is just, have the worst play possible. Um, I think he, I think he can get a decent return. I think the range the Rangers um, are a team that could really be interested in him and value him. I also think a team like Colorado or a team like Dallas, where they can round out their middle six a little bit better. He's a player who helps you win games. He is so infuriating. I get why people don't like him. He whiffs on the puck. He shoots it ten feet over the net every single time. But it's better to have ten shots going over the opposing net than allowing, than allowing five high danger scoring chances. So um, he's someone that I think can get you something at the deadline. You definitely entertain it. But if you are rebuilding, which I think at this point, a lot of people think they are, you need to keep some players. Rebuilding doesn't mean you purge everyone who's under the age of 28 and Lackanen's 26, 26, I believe. Um, You Um, still need, is he 26? Yeah, he's 26. You still need some players who you want to keep for a rebuild. And that doesn't mean that everyone who's old, is gone. Toronto added Marlowe, 
when they started their rebuild, when he was past his prime and he still did well. I'm not comparing the two, obviously, but um, long-winded way of answering your question. Yes, I think they entertain trading him, but um, that's really tough because he's an RFA as well. No, I think he, I think he gets traded. I think, but I think it's a good return. Uh, and I think you guys talked about it last episode while I wasn't here, fellas. Uh, I think it was Arthur Staple said that the Rangers are interested in him. Um, yeah, uh, I, I know Freeman was saying that it, like if there's a trade rumor, talk about Florida, Carolina, and Colorado. Mention Tulski. Uh, if I, I I can just think they would love a guy like Lecton. Anyway, he's he's the king of generating chances, but can't score. Um, my man, even though he scored the biggest goal of our Habs fandom. He's a playoff guy. He shows up every playoffs. That 2017 uh, series versus the Rangers, he was good. Uh, Jeff Petrie. Uh, He'll stay a hab. But I also think, sorry, I'm going to ramble on a little bit here. I think guys like Petrie and Armia who are having bad seasons, when GMs look at those guys, they're not saying, they're not looking at the 30, whatever, 42 games Montreal has played and saying that's who Jeff Petrie is, that's who UL Armia is. They're going to look at their careers. They're going to look that Nor- that Jeff Peachy was in Norris conversations last year. They're going to look at Armia's playoff numbers, for example. They're going to look at overall how their careers are and how they could help that team. Jeff Petrie is not a three-point guy in 40-something games. It's not him. Armia, this is not Armia either. Um, so I think a lot of people get so caught up in the seasons they're having now. But context matters too. But um, I still think Jeff Petrie remains a hab, and I think that's someone you look to trade in the next off season or the off season after that, because there's not too much term on his deal. It's not that bad. Um, and he wants to win. And I also think part of the reason he's struggling is he signed that deal thinking they would be contending and they're not. And I just, I don't think he's having a good, a good time. I don't think he's injured. I just don't think he's, he's valuing his play right now. It's three years after this, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And he's 33 now, right? 34. Yeah. 34. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but he his skating's not going to just disappear or anything, right? Uh, this is probably the easy, the easiest one on the list. Uh, ben, Big Ben, put some respect on his name. Big Ben Sherratt. Patrick is see waiting you. for those of you. Who see you later. Um, yeah, he's gone. I, if he's not, then I'm gonna, we're going to have to redo this podcast and so that everything, <laughs> Patrick, everything positive about Kent Hughes and, and Jeff Gordon oh, is just wrong. It's If this podcast is going to blow up, it's going to be from that. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, he's, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, I, I thought for the longest time when Edmonton was, you know, at the top of the division, that it was just a foregone conclusion that Ken Holland would trade a first uh, for Ben Sherratt, get that big defenseman. And it's just, it would be Pete Ken Holland to do that. Uh, they're second last in their division right now. And I don't think they're going to make the playoffs at all. Um, and Ken Holland said that they're not going to trade a first. Obviously that can change, but um, I think Ben Sherratt either gets you a good prospect or he gets you a first round pick, not because he's worth it, but because that's what GMs do. And I think that might be Florida. So I, I saw this tweet, I don't a couple hours ago, <laughs> but it, it was linking, uh, it was talking about the Kings and the tweet is chicken would be nice, oh, but I F think, you, ben, Alex, I but I that. think Ben Sherratt from Montreal is the name to watch for LA. Would you say forget the Dino effect? Is the it's Bergevin no longer effect? the Dino effect. It is now the Bergevin effect. Patrick, do you want to replace Alex on the show? Full time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway. Honestly, I, I think Sherratt to one of those teams. I think Florida. I mean, but if Florida does it, I think Bill Zito is an excellent GM. And I'm going to not think he's an excellent GM the second he trades for Sherratt. It would also be a huge middle finger to Florida fans because if they're interested in Chikrin, going from Chikrin to, Sher- to Sherratt would be something. But Sherratt is gone for sure. 
I think if I were to rank the likelihood of getting traded, Sherrod, I think he's guaranteed to be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll unload guys or Hughes will unload guys like Paquette, uh, Perot, if he's healthy, just Weidman, yeah, for example, can. for like a seventh, the same way Gustafson, you know, power play guy can get you someone. Sherrod for sure. And then I think Lackanen's a solid maybe. Um, two more names here. Just bit my lip, not hurt. Um, this is a guy I think it, you can value get at the deadline. Our favorite defenseman, it's Brett Kulak. Uh, yeah, I think he's a he would be. Honestly, I I'll put money on Colorado trading for him at the deadline because Joe Sakic is smart and he would fit perfectly in their bottom four. Um, if someone gets injured, he can step up easily. I've been vocal that I think he can. He's not a first pair defenseman, but he is a top four puck mover. Um, and I think he's someone. He's honestly someone that Edmonton could use. And if Ken Holland was really smart, he would trade a third or a fourth for Kulak and not a, not a first for Sherratt because Kulak's also from Alberta um, if Edmonton was in the running. But, uh, yeah, I think I think Kulak could get traded. Absolutely. I think I think teams value him. Smart teams would value him. I think Colorado especially would look at Kulak. Florida could look at Kulak. And he wouldn't cost a first that Ben Sherratt, who isn't as good as Kulak, in my opinion, uh, would get. And finally, uh, this is probably another easy one, especially with the news of his rehab is just restarting. Uh, Carey Price. No, but wouldn't it be cool? Not cool, but wouldn't it be something if you got traded? <laughs> like, I, Patrick, I'll remind you, the moment I get some money, I'm tattooing <laughs> his mask on my leg. My favorite player of all time. It would not be cool. I would cry. I would understand it. I'd cry again. I'd come on the show yeah. and cry again. It'd be a but, hell of a uh, summer. It would be, yeah, it, it screams a draft move, doesn't it? If it's going to happen, yeah. but yeah, but deadline, probably not. Imagine. He, no, no, go ahead. Sorry. I, no, no, go no, ahead. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, no, it's, I was just going to say, imagine McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Carey Price moving all in the same nah, summer. Nah, they'd accuse him oh of being too God. pissy about it. Oh. Uh, no, I don't know. Like, think, you think, I think, honestly, before when people were debating what media is the worst, Montreal or Toronto, and but is it Vancouver fans? It's, it's. At this point, it's Canadian media. Yeah, uh, it's Canadian yeah. media as a whole has just been brutal. Montreal is the language issue. Uh, Toronto media is pretty hard on its players. Edmonton, um, there's you know just a lot of rumors. Vancouver, there's rumors. Calgary seems somewhat uh, okay actually. Calgary's sort of neutral, but yeah. um, Canadian media in general. But as far as price goes, as much as it would suck to see him get traded, you have to think like if they're gonna rebuild. He does. He should not have to go. He's gone through so much since being in Montreal. Yep. He yep. wants to win, and it wouldn't be ending. That's why there were so many like call uh, price to Colorado proposals. At the same time, it's like, do you want to trade another goalie to Colorado after the wash trade? Like, do you really? You got to make sure you nail it. But um, no, I don't think he'll get traded. But I do. Th- maybe Allen. Maybe Allen can get traded. That's a name I should. Yeah, Allen. I was screaming Allen if you're Edmonton. But uh, I don't know, because if you're Montreal, maybe because of the low cap hit, you can charge an arm and a leg. But yeah. this is now because they're worried about they're looking at uh, what was some of the names they were speculating about, like Huso, Varlamov. Uh, anyway, anyway, discussion for another day. Um, I think that's everything. Yeah, no, the, the right thing is it would be nice if if here's what I'm worried about is if he, if he comes back and and he plays. I want the last games Carey Price played to be those playoffs for this team. Um, I don't want to see him come back and play for this team. I yeah, like you say, he's he's put his body on the line for this team. I can't imagine the the condition of his knees. Um, but anyway, um, all right. Well, sorry, go ahead. I had I was messing around on the on cat friendly. I had a couple like mock trades. If you guys want to 
Um, I had Weidman going to Minnesota for like a sixth or a seventh. Minnesota's in the playoff run, get someone to help out with power play. I had Ben Chirot going to Edmonton for a first um, because I think that Edmonton figured it out. Montreal retains 50. He's a top four, big body, all that stuff. Um, I had Lekman going for Kravtsov in a second. Uh, but I don't know if that just because that's what Twitter's been saying. Twitter's been yeah. obsessed with, with crabs off and like it, and then pocket uh, to anywhere for future considerations. <laughs> or we will pay you to take him. <laughs> yeah, we will pay you, and I get five mil against the cap just to take this guy. No, but if they, should be good. if they, I didn't know this until I was looking at their clients. I didn't know that Emily Castellier represented Cedric Packett. I was like, imagine if they, they no hire idea. her and they don't bring him back. I'd be like, uh, <laughs> really hope they hire her, by the way. Um, I haven't shut up about that. I really want her to get hired. Okay. Well, Patrick, thank you for coming on as always. Go ahead and plug your stuff again. Oh, of course. Um, just Twitter, really. Um, Patrick E. Talon. Um, I have an article coming out, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks for a winning habit uh, under fan sided. Um, yeah. Keeping busy with school. <laughs> Of course, of course. Uh, it's heating up. It's heating up. Uh, okay, we'll be back in a second. What are we going to talk about? Uh, some stuff from 32 Thoughts, uh, some PHF news. Montreal's getting the team. Let's go. Uh, we're going to talk about the Panthers being nasty and scoring all the goals in the world until they ran into Calgary. Uh, the last man in stuff, Kadri finally got in, but Barkov's not going, and it's a joke. And Leon Dreisaitl being pissy, of course. Um, all that in a second. Lads. Adam. We're here. Still here. Hello. Woo. How are you guys? <laughs> uh, compared to 45 minutes ago, pretty good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, I guess you've woken up from class, right? Yeah. It's I tiring. These, uh, man, like everything just piling up for all of us. These, these uh, yeah. evening conversations. I, I mean, it's really tough, like shoveling outside with like an eight, eight year old's shovel, but like that's besides the point. Oh, hey, Doug. Uh, oh, badum. Sorry. I had to do it. I had to do it. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Got some stuff to talk about here. First off, can I just say, because I wasn't here last week, mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how happy I am that the the uh, the shootout skill competition is coming back. That's my, yes. that and Art of Shot are my favorite things ever. Like, thank goodness it's coming back. So happy. So happy. Yeah, I'm surprised it took this long. But again, I'm also not surprised because it's, it's the NHL. Yeah. yeah. Adam, um, we mentioned it. Sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. I was gonna- we did mention it last episode, our favorite memories of the breakaway. So we'd like to know which one is yours. Um, Alex did have mine, Carrie Price making a save backwards. Uh, okay. That and when Ryan Kessler's son was there and Carrie let him score on him was pretty good. Um, that when I think it was the one in Columbus, uh, I think Ryan Johansson, remember that when he was a blue jacket and um, he had like the, I think it was the jersey or something and like him and Goudreau doing a thing when it was like, Gujo was like a rookie and all that. Yes, and yes. It's like, why is he, he's like a child? It was a whole thing. Johnny Gujo, um, now Bart. Johnny, yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I just really liked it. It was the most creative event by far. Um, so I, I was so mad when it left. I, that was the last time I fully watched an All Star weekend when they did that. Bring the draft back too. Yeah. Bill Castle getting let him get drunk. Election. Just <laughs> let them get drunk. It's okay. They'll survive. Uh, like, that's I, don't all. I don't know about that, but just, you know, um, so the last men in, we have the votes for each division uh, no. for the Pacific. It's Troy Terry Fair hey. enough. for the pits, not the Pittsburgh. Penguins. He plays for Pittsburgh for the Metro. It is Jake Gensel. Fair enough. 
for the Atlantic, Alex Barkov's not going to the games, guys. This guy doesn't get in the Olympics, but Steven Stamkos is the last man in. I doubt he cares. I don't think he cares. Yeah. And finally, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say with those two cup rings. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, great. <laughs> Cheating. Um, And the team that uh, the guy who should have made it in the first place, well, a few of them should have probably made it, but Nazem Kadri is the guy for the central. Love to see it. He's pretty good. He's going to get so overpaid in the summer. It's going to be hilarious. By the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm riding that. <laughs> I am riding that one till the summer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did you guys uh, did you guys see what uh, Brad Marchand did today? I did. Did he tweet? I saw he did. He yes. did. And saw so Alan Walsh came back. So clearly the really old race ceremony. Congrats on that, by the way, having his number mm-hmm. retired. Great stuff. Clearly that ceremony was so long that the Bruins uh, must have needed another warm up because they got canned seven to one. I think Oof. it was four or five, one by the end of the first period. It wasn't great. Uh, so anyway, the, uh, the Carolina hurricanes afterwards put it on Twitter saying Ellis uh, L stands for Lamborghini. I didn't really understand that to be honest oh, with you. So um, I don't know if you saw it. Someone asked Vincent Trocek uh, if he, something about comparing his style to um, Brad Marchand and, and yeah. Vincent Trocek goes, are you, co- am I a rat or something like that? And then Brad Marchand, I guess posted and it was with, um, with comparing the two stats. And he's like comparing me to a Prius or like comparing a Lamborghini to a Prius or something like that. So the Carolina hurricanes in response to Alice for Lamborghini and then Marsha and hits back and says, you're still the reason we pay 20% in escrow. Oh, that one burned. I don't know. That one was tough. They are reminder. One of the bottom teams when it comes to value. The, hurricanes. The, I don't know if you saw Alan Walsh actually retweeted. it. <laughs> of course he, he goes. He goes. The reason you pay 20% escrow is a few high profile NHL players involved in the NHLPA leadership colluded with the other treasonous rats. <laughs> To stab NHLPA chief Bob Goodenow in the back during the 2004-05 lockout, surrendering on a salary cap slash escrow to Bettman slash the owners. That's why. (laughs) Can you just let us have a bit of fun, Alan? Oh, I love Alan Walsh sometimes. That is... um... That is definitely something from from Mr. Walsh. Uh, He is uh, always a character in the game, is he not? Yes. Uh... I wish I could have his, like... I don't know, like he's already in a tough job, right? Like it's a very, very busy job. Yeah. Alan Walsh. Yeah. And like yeah. the time he takes for his opinions on his tweets, I'm like, they are really spot on or just really timely. He has them in his drafts because he's just ready for any scenario to bash Gary Bettman. Exactly. You know exactly. what I mean? Uh, where else can we go here? Oh, this is probably the, the big one, to be honest with you. Um, So a press conference, Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, got into with Jim Matheson. Jim Matheson, who I did not know was a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, apparently is, longtime reporter, uh, a meme on Twitter, agrees to be one of the best segments the SDP ever did. We're reading his tweets. I'll never forget them. Uh, Jim Matheson basically asked him, what did the Oilers need to do better? And Leon said everything in a very sort of dead sounding tone because his team sucks and he's a Rocky Richard Hart winner and, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, and Jim Matheson just goes, why are you so pissy, Leon? That's a quote. He called him pissy twice because Leon asked him what. Um, <sighs> now, obviously, Leon said, I'm just answering your question. Jim Matheson strikes back. Not a very good answer. Um, and it sparked a bit of um, a bit of a, a hoopla around. I'm going to read you guys. Hoopla. I'm going to read you guys two tweets here from Mark Spector, 
And um, oh. Oh. Yeah, oh. Oh. oh my God, Mark Spector. Uh, and Michael Trakos. Oh, even better. Which which one would you like first? Uh, Mark Spector. Here's a look at Leon Dreisaitl delivering whatever the Oilers' message is in the media. Legit question. Immature, dismissive answer. That is not leadership. I will remind you that the uh, legit question was, why are you so pissy? A reporter, a Hockey Hall of Fame, he's probably an honored member because media, asked a, a player, why are you so pissy? I don't recall him ever asking Wayne Gretzky that question, by the way. From Michael Trakos, not a good look. Um, Jim Matheson is a pro's pro. You don't get into the Hockey Hall of Fame for nothing. I hope the next time Leon sees Maddie, there's an apology coming out of his mouth. So the Michael Trakos tweet, is that that did he retweet the fake Jim Matheson account? Because I know Steve Simmons did. Uh, all I, I see did not is see that. Oh, my gosh. From what I see in this, I screenshot. He's quote tweeting the Tim and Friends video. Ah, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> so at least he's using Canadian media. Then again, I don't know. If so nice of him. Sorry, like there. when I first saw that, like all of us went to J school. Correct. Yeah. Like they don't tell us to talk to someone in a media scrum like that. Like just move on. You know, like there's other questions. <laughs> yeah, I think they're like, hey, you know what you don't do? Ask someone if they're pissy as a question. Like okay, like I think you know. All of us were very early in our career, but it just for me, I just kind of felt unprofessional in a way that you you would take a player's remarks personally. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say he sounded personally attacked by it. Yeah. I, I, I think there's, for me, there's fault on both sides. A little bit on Leon. But very much more on Jim Matheson's part. Yes, okay, by answering everything, I get it. But I don't think you that means you can call a player pissy. Like if you're in, I think what everyone's or what this group of people seem to be forgetting is if you are in Leon Dreisaitl's situation, you're two fourteen and two in your last sixteen, uh, and you know you just lost to the Ottawa Senators who despite what Pierre Dorian says, are not done their rebuild. And you have someone ask you, are you pissy? Or why are you pissy? How are you going to respond? I would not respond very nicely. I I will tell you that right now. I would not respond nicely if someone said that to me in a press conference after a game. And I think for me, like I agree with that, Alex, that this whole thing we've been talking about with the Oilers these last few weeks um, aside from the Evander Kane situation, is we we know that there is a lot of tension there. The Miko Koskinen comments, him speaking out about it, um, them saying that you know we're not scoring, we're not finding anything there, and it just it is true. Like, what would you expect the guy to say to this? Like, he's gonna throw, he's not gonna throw. Like, that's what I have to commend Leon Dreisaitl for. He didn't throw anyone under the bus. He also wasn't. More like he was aggressive. There was a follow-up of, is it good for you to show your frustration on the ice? And Leon just laughed and said, yeah, it's great. Uh, I, Leon Dreisaitl could have bitten back really hard. He could have made it worse. If he had done that, I think it's it would be, I would give a lot of crap to him, but he didn't. So here's the thing, with Leon Dreisaitl saying, um, oh boy, uh, hold on, let me just check something here, guys. 
Um, the Oilers, they're bad. You want to quickly, um, if I screen share something, can you just quickly uh, read it? It's yep. what uh, Elliot Friedman said. Sure. Uh, this is from, I'm assuming 32 thoughts. Uh, thought number six, the Oilers are changing course on this issue because missing the playoffs is not an option and the frustration is boiling over. Um, by changing course, I mean that I assume that means the goaltending uh, <clears throat> scouting meetings are in California this week. So owner Daryl Cates can be, be heard firsthand. I don't get too riled up about the Jim Mathis and Leon dry skirmish. It happens, particularly when teams are losing. I've been on the receiving end, try to roll my eyes and move on. The added challenge now is with restricted access due to COVID, there's no opportunity for a, for a media member and a player to privately sort things out. Only adds to the disconnect. What I would be concerned about from an Oilers point of view is the open frustration from Connor McDavid, Dreisaitl, Zach Cassian, and others. It's multiple people over multiple days. That's really bad. Only wins stop an avalanche of negativity. So, going back a second. Yeah. Leon Dreisaitl, was he wrong saying they need to do everything better? No. They don't have, they don't have saves. No. They can't defend. They, that game against Ottawa, I think, was a 3-1 lead they blew. Scoring has been a mess. It doesn't help that Leon and Connor, I think, are shooting uh, like really, really low. Like Their shooting percentage is really bad right now. Yeah. Um, and you know that's going to sort itself out. And when it does, it's going to be terrible forever they blow up against. Maybe it's Florida. Hey, Bob Gardner, I, I'm just trying to ruffle your feathers a bit there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, Daryl Kate's names being mentioned is not um, – you never want the owner involved. But no. it's – listen, I, he's – got to realize, I think it's in, important – what do I always say? Perspective. If you're Jim Matheson, what you need to do – is put yourself in Leon Dry Silo's shoes if you're about to ask him, are you, why are you pissy? Um, listen, yeah, if it is in the locker room, I've seen a lot of reporters say like it would be hashed out in that. I believe that. It's just at the same time, they're they're two adults. And um yeah, maybe soon they're gonna laugh about it once the Oilers can get some wins. Yeah, but it's just that uh, yeah, I thought it was unprofessional. I didn't like it. Yeah. And um, it's just uh, you expect better. From can, from a reporter of that sort of experience. Yeah. Can I can I just add a point? Um, sure. You know, Mark Spector's tweet you brought up there talks about leadership. I'm just very curious at where Duncan Keith is uh, in all of this, because, you know, remember when Duncan Keith came to Edmonton, Mark Spector and Gene Principe just, you know, talked about Duncan Keith's leadership and how important it was. So why where is he? And second, so I have two points. Second point, you know, we keep getting, they keep asking all these players what the issue is and they all get frustrated when they don't have an answer. It's, well, we got to do everything better, which is true. But when they had the opportunity to, to interview or talk to Ken Holland, the general manager, the man who constructed this team, when Ken Holland answered with, it is what it is. And, you know, this is, I believe in this team. We're not going to give up prospects or first round picks. There was no pushback. There was zero pushback to that. Why? Me, apparently, I think it was on insider trading. I think one of you put on the dock. I think I actually got rid of it. So sorry. But nope. apparently insider trading, they still believe in this team. No, absolutely not. 
going to leadership, man, what more can Leon Dreisaitl do? He just Leon Dreisaitl. You don't go to an MVP and be like, no, how dare you? How dare you? This is the thing about, I hate repetition, right? I hate repeating. I hate it so much. Hence why I stopped listening to Hockey Central at noon. And like, Leaf segments are the longest time in SDP. I was sick about hearing their defense. I was sick of it. If I'm a hockey player and you keep asking me, what's wrong here? What's wrong with this? What's wrong? You're expert. You should know. You can easily write about and tweet about this. I don't know if it was post game or something, but you could tell Leon was just, ah, it's, Dude, I don't know what Matheson was expecting. Especially, you can't push someone and then right. expect not to be pushed back. That's what, and I'm not mad at Spectre or Tracos because that's them standing up for one of their guys. I understand that. It's just, it's so dumb, this whole thing. It's, you, again, it's on freaking Holland. You know what reminds me of? to see what? When there's clearly someone is dealing something and then you ask, are you okay? And they're just kind of like, there's a frustration of like, see, in the moment, like, it's like when you stub your toe, like, I appreciate you asking me that. But at this very moment, I'm in so much pain where I don't want to speak to anyone right now. Mm-hmm. It, it's so it's yeah. ah, it's 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 pissing. The, the, <laughs> the only thing I'd push back on about Leon Dreisaitl, not necessarily um, with Jim Matheson, but I think Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, I, I will say the. The, they are the captain and assistant captain of this team. And the fact that Brendan Perlini and Darnell Nurse have better answers and have much better press conferences than them in terms of they like I saw Brendan Perlini's press conference. He did not look not that he didn't look mentally drained, but he gave a damn good answer. And you want that as a leader. That is the only thing I'll say. But I understand why Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are are not in that mood anymore because it's been like five or six years. Perlini was like a rainbow. Um, I, I will say, I will counter that saying like yep. Brendan Perlini does not have the pressure that Leon and Connor do, but then nurse, we know right. when that contract kicks in, that's fair. Perlini though, like I want to rag on me like, ah, you're depth player, but he doesn't, he's not going to get the same attention, but I will say that press conference, I wanted to give him a hug. Perlini yeah. was such a breath of fresh air. I love that guy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, they're looking at goalies still. Um, yeah, some of them have already been named. We mentioned them earlier, like Vili Huso. I don't know if I think they were speculating on. Um, I don't know why. Like, sorry, I just like hmm? I don't know. Was I, I don't know. I'm just thinking Vili Huso. Like, I not dunking well, on the guy, but I'm just saying. Well, first off, if you're St. Louis, why you don't have another right. goalie? Well, this is the one I was I was looking at. I'm like, also they were speculating on it on the Jeff Merrick show today. Uh, Vinik Vanacek. If the Capitals trade Vinnick Vanacek, I will lose it on both them and Seattle, by the way. Um, and I don't know if Fukali has shown enough recently to be like, oh, I'm good enough to be that. Uh, that's a that's kind of weird. That's kind of weird. Uh, but Edmonton, can you please figure it out? Because at this point, like, I don't want the media pushing both Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid out of the sport. And I'm not excusing McDavid. This is see that Evander Kane quote. Um, was not great. Um, I don't remember if I was even on the show for that, but that was awful. I think, so. I, think I was, but whatever. Uh, okay. Some news. So, wait, just to con- just to confirm, the answer is not in the room. God, no, it's not. <laughs> it is not at all. Uh, the Panthers might be all in though, and apparently they're uh, they might be in on Jacob Chikrin. 
if they do that, by the way, uh, they, yeah, they lost against Calgary, but you do wonder if they, listen, the flames are going to score. No, I'm not the flames. The Panthers aren't going to score nine goals every game. And I think they're due for a bit of a cold stretch. It's unfortunate. They're on a big road trip right now. And you know, you don't want to play a Daryl Sutter team, the first game of a road trip because they're, like they have some interesting opponents. Alex Baumgartner on Five Reasons Sports. He did a little. Um, he was on one of their shows. They broke down the road trip. You can talk about it. But like, they go like Vancouver, which Henderson's heating up. That's scary. Um, they go up against Edmonton. Don't count out Leon and Connor. Let's see when they're going to be mad, pissy, even. Um, <laughs> Winnipeg. Who? What the hell are they right now? But they have Hellebuck. And then I think they finish against Seattle, which loud building, big defense could be a bit of a grind for the Panthers. But anyway, they're looking very strong right now. If they had Jacob Chicker into that team, oh Maron, was it? But how do you say it? Oof Maron. Oof Maron. Oof Maron. What is that are, from? Uh, give him the cup. I don't know. No. Him, him and just, Mike yell it all just the to time. Say, it's just a, it's. Well, I think it's from the Sopranos, but it very much oh, goes. Be- it very, it very oh, much goes before that. I think the Sopranos. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just was really uh, thrown off by Adam okay. doing it. Okay. 32 thoughts. First off, number 14. Another UFA defenseman to watch for is Philadelphia's Rasmus Ristolainen. New team, still in trade talks. Uh, there was a time when uh, this uh, was heading in the direction of player testing the market. We will see if it changes. Um, poor guy. Why would they consider, no offense, but like, why would you consider the option of re-signing him at this point? I know you gave up a first round pick, but this wasn't the solution that you thought it was. Like, Yo, it, I was surprised because like they trade, trade Sean fair for nothing. And he's the better player? For, for who's, be, who's had the better season? Um, I don't know off the top of my head, but um, I'm last time I checked, I'm pretty sure... Uh, the Austin Vapor's playing really well. It was 14th uh, overall they gave away, right? It was Isaac yeah, Rosen. And yeah. I, yeah, I think they gave up another pick too. Tough. Oh, yeah. um, speaking of trades, there might be a bit of a a bit of a problem here. Uh, thought 16. The lack of cat space will be this is obviously 32 thoughts of the block from Elliot Friedman. Forgot to mention that. Pretty important. We talk about it like every show. Figure it out. <laughs> The lack of cap space will be the biggest uh, impediment to making trades. So many teams are so tight or in long-term injury reserve. Arizona is using two of three retained salary slots, Darcy Kemper and Oliver ekman Larson. So the Coyotes can do one more. Other teams are cap space. Columbus, Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa could be kingmakers here. Yeah, I, I personally, I feel like Arizona's kind of out of the mix on that one. Just because I think once they trade Phil Kessel, no offense to Phil Kessel, I don't know what team who would acquire Phil Kessel would take Phil Kessel on at $6.8 million. Yeah. That's so, already half. I already know that's going to be yeah. half. And you're obviously not going to retain on Chickering because that deal is amazing. It's already a steal. It's beautiful. You know where else we're going to go here, guys? Thought number 21, because uh, there's actually a bit of an update to the All-Star game, and they're doing a good job of the NHL. I hate to say it. It's creativity <laughs> from them, though. 21, one welcome change for this year's events that players not named to the game itself will be able to complete in the skill event. Call it the Z-Grass rule. He's the type of confident, talented young player everyone rushes to promote, but circumstances lined up against him. Calgary wanted to put Jacob Markstrom to rest, and that sounds very weird. Wants Jake Markstrom to rest. Sorry, I made that sound very morbid. Uh, and he's been battling an injury, so the Pacific needs a goalie to pair with Thatcher Demko, which John Gibson makes a lot of sense for last man in. Uh, sorry, 
Makes a lot of sense, period. For last man in, the Ducks wanted a deserving Troy Terry nominated. That punted Z Grass until the league uh, resuscitated the breakaway challenge, which he will be brought to Vegas to compete in. It's a great idea. And he also sort of goes on a little later about talking about Zidane O'Chara coming in for maybe hardest shot. How cool. I wish Shea Weber had two good legs right now so they could go head to head. Um, but, ah, they're doing it. I might watch it this year. That's so nice. Exactly. This is surprising. Oh, my gosh. Positive news about the All-Star game. Oh, look at you at ATL doing your wow. Hey, Gary Bettman, could you answer uh, Rick Westhead's questions instead of running away from him, though? Yeah, I'll fix the jerseys. <laughs> they're plain. They're fine. They're not great, but they're fine. It's that's so fine. NHL, though. I'd right? like to say that, like, <laughs> this – there's so many big themes going on, a lot of trends going on, of people wanting the 90s, early 2000s things. Like the NHL could have brought back the purple and teal jerseys. Fair enough. I didn't hate the Columbus ones, or like the green ones. I thought those were pretty red, bro. Anyway, um, thought 30. The PHF announced a board of governor investment of 25 million. Uh, uh, 25 million. Um, basically, what's going to happen with them? Is uh, it's 25 million in direct payments to its players over the next three years, with the salary cap increase to $750,000 per team. I think that averages to salaries around $37,000, which compared to what I think it used to be is great. Not perfect, but the league are getting there. Uh, with that, they are also expanding to two franchises, an unnamed American City and uh, the home of hockey, Montreal. Uh, that's sick. Yeah, that's it's really smart to go, especially in Canada, where sometimes like my personal belief is if you're starting a new league, you don't necessarily go into the bigger markets. Um, I mean, you saw that with the Canadian Premier League and the Canadian Elite Basketball League. But with professional women's hockey, I think because you're starting with pretty much nothing, getting into those bigger markets actually will be beneficial to you because you get to. In a way, you can also work with the profession, the men's professional team uh, that's already in there. And we'll finish off here talking about the Leafs. Uh, I don't know how, Jake Muzzin just continues to have a bad year. Um, not to his fault, but since the playoffs, that man just seems to have been dealing with injuries, uh, over injuries, Alex. Yeah, he has not had the best of seasons, and now he's out with a concussion. Um I, I just don't know what's wrong. Like I, I'm I'm watching him play and I'm like, I don't know if I, I don't know if it's an injury, but it's been months and it's been like this. And it is a little concerning, but I, I, I don't think it's fair for a single person to say them res- or extending Jake Muzzin is bad is was a bad move. I think that's a hundred percent hindsight. And yeah. I think it, it's unfair to do. I think m- the majority of people were very much saying extend Jake Muzzin. He is the Leafs' best defenseman, like who plays defense as um, all around. Yeah, that's as it. much yeah. as like we mentioned with a Jeff Petrie sample this year, I don't want to look back on just this season and say this is Jake Muzzin. I think right. I, I agree perfectly with what you said, Alex. Where he was brought in to be that defensive defenseman guy, something that the Leafs haven't had in so long. And he performed like I think Jonas Eagle put that when he was on the ice and he was playing the games, the Leafs were expected 18 more wins projected. And this year, I don't know, like he also mentioned in that athletic article that 
we don't know what it is. Is it he's overcompensating for Justin Hall? Is it just, you know, he doesn't really have a permanent partner right now? But it is, again, like the injuries, and he's he is turning 33, and we know how sometimes, like, those rough and tough kind of guys get. And I think to get at this part, get this point the way he's been playing still, I I still think he's extremely valuable. Because if the one example I use is Josh Manson, as much as I love the guy, the amount of injuries that guy's had before 28 and 29, it's already showing in his game. Again, Nelson's the victim of, I was on a really, really good team. I played a really big role there. And, you know, but once he gets to the playoffs, that sort of experience will make a big difference. Um, right now, because of that injury and that, uh, the second period for Toronto is currently Timothy Lilligan and Rasa Sandin. Uh, young guys that you want to see what their role is on the next man up mentality. Because obviously once the playoffs happen, injuries are going to hit. I don't need to pick on Muslim, but obviously there's been a few playoffs where he's been out and you need to fill that gap. Along with that is um, you get a really good sense of how they can play here and maybe that affects the deadline because also in 32 thoughts. Number 11, Toronto isn't against clearing space to prepare for a deadline ad. Um, and maybe that ad is defenseman. I know we sort of spitball maybe not John Klingberg. I know you're against another gentleman by the name of Big Benjamin Sherratt. Um, but this is a good sort of test for Toronto in the right time, especially with how locked the East is in the playoff race right now. We yeah. basically know who are making this. So it's a pretty smart, not convenient because you don't want guys hurt, but a really good opportunity for some of those young guys in Toronto. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that it comes up against the Rangers, um, who are a very good team. Um, and have a fan who was waiting to rip you about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. Um <gasps> <laughs> Whatever. No, but I, I think we've seen it with Rasmus Sandin a little bit. And again, he's going to have to prove that again tonight and over the next few games as a second bearing defenseman. Yeah. Um, but I think what will be the biggest test of them all is Timothy Liljegren. Yeah. Who has, you know, surprised many this year in terms of being able to stay up because that's kind of been his thing the last few years where he's been given some games but never stuck in the lineup but this year he has so again he has to prove that he can also take those next steps he's like what 22 years old he's not an old he's not an old guy he's he's still quite young and and there is room for improvement for timothy lilligren and rasmus sandin but again my personal opinion Tonight's biggest test is for Timothy Lilligren. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. April will be 23, by the way. He'll be 23. Okay. I'm excited. Like, I think the biggest thing with Timothy Lilligren was whether or not he could be exposed to these types of big games or he could be given the minutes he's had. Like Rasmus Andines, I, I think he has, he's been through it already. So I think it's time for the Leafs to really see, like, okay, what do we really have with these two guys? And what can we see in terms of a ceiling here? And I don't think you're going to get that unless you actually give them the minutes. Yeah. I have a question. Yes. Are people bullying Steve Dangle? Yeah. I missed this. What's been going on? Well, obviously they blew a few leads in the last four games. And it, yeah, he's Didn't the they blame. blow like a lead in every game on that road trip? Except, except Arizona. Except Arizona. Yeah. Oh, which they yeah, they lost. They, thank you for winning that game, by the way. It really no helps problem. Montreal get to the last. I appreciate no problem. It. Um, no, I just I think here's the thing is there's these really divisive extremes. Divisive? Yeah, yeah, that word. Whatever Daniel says. Sorry. Divisive. Divisive. 
sets of fan bases within the Leafs fan base where it's like just pure extremes, like for absolutely no reason. Like there's one who's like, yeah, this is a good team and they'll win the cup. And there's and then there's like the other end with like Steve Simmons and Michael Trakos. And it's like, no, this team is horrible and whatever. And I think Steve's very much in the middle of it, as am I, like my opinions. I mean, like you have to look at it realistically. This team in the last four years has have not won a playoff round or a qualifying round. This team has blown multiple leads over the last, I don't know, day one of Mike Babcock. Like it's just, I, I'm not going to get as mad as Steve, but that's Steve's thing, man. Like, I'm not going to blame him for it. That's Steve's thing. And I think he would admit that himself, but look at this team realistically and say, They've shown signs of what they were in the past, and that has to be concerning for everyone. No one wants. Maybe that sounds better. No one wants the Leafs to win more than Steve Dangle. Yeah. He's just a realist. I mean, He's listen. So mean to him. Uh, listen, here's the thing with Toronto. They're a good team. It's just, you know, they're growing still. Like, here's the thing. Uh, Matthews and Marner may never get better offensively. And that's not an insult because one of them is the next greatest goal scorer in the league. Pretty good. Um, And Mitch Marner is Mitch Marner, who you can probably trade. I should have just said Mitch Marner. I should have not mentioned him and just said Nylander. I messed up my bit there. (laughs) Um, You know, they have Nylander and Matthew and Mitch Marner. He'll be traded for something. I don't know. Um, But it's just like those guys still have to learn the completion of their game. And listen, like Matthews defensively is almost a different player than he was two years ago. It's, it's very, I'm not saying he's a sulky candidate. Like some people are saying no, but by low key, you know, who's having analytically an amazing defensive year. Uh, Bergeron again, uh, might win the sulky. The one year I said he wasn't going to do it faster. Um, but you like Steve is just, um, can't find a nicer guy. Um, we've met him a few times. Yeah. Super um, nice. Gave me free Marley's tickets. Wait, what? Because um, I remember he did like it was a while ago. It was like when he was doing like um he was doing like a contest. Like if you retweet something, okay. Um you'll get like you'll get DM'd like your tickets or something. And it was before he was super, super popular. Like he did he didn't he didn't work at Sportsnet yet. Oh, okay. Is this recent? You could have asked him to come on the pod. This no, this was a Alex while Stevens. ago. And I, it was great because, like, you know, usually you don't see the people at their own giveaways, but he was there with uh, Adam Wilde and Jesse Blake. I can't believe Wilde isn't his real last name. I don't know if I've mentioned this. No, which is, <laughs> I'm an idiot for that. But I don't know because obviously I know it's Steve Dangle so, Flynn. And yeah. then when people reminded me he works in the radio station, he's a DJ. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. So it's. It, it's funny. Son of because, Marilyn Dennis. Yeah. So I was yeah. going to bring that. I was going to bring that up. It's funny because I didn't realize I first started watching SDP before I knew who Adam Wilde was. And I didn't know at the time he was Marilyn Dennis's son. And I just happened to be watching it in front of, like with, and my mom was around and my mom watched, I still watches sometimes Marilyn Dennis. And she goes, isn't that Marilyn Dennis's son? I'm like, what? Like I was just, it was just utter shock because you you wouldn't have clued. I wouldn't have clued in on it before. I don't think he, I don't think she has his cackle laugh that he has. (laughs) So it's Adam Dennis. (laughs) No, I don't Uh, see. I was watching game over and and Julian and and Julian was on with, uh, with, with it's Berkshire, Andrew Berkshire show, but Julian McKenzie was on it. 
and they were talking about it. And then they were like, oh, Adam doesn't want us to talk about it. And people in the chat were mentioning it. And I did some digging and I found it. I'm not going to say it, even though I assume it's pretty easy to find. But I don't think it's Dennis because no, I, I, think I think his parents are divorced. So I oh, think Dennis okay. might be your maiden name. Um, let's end the show now. Is it Adam Wild with an I? It's W Y L D E E E. I missed that old intro. Um, I know. It didn't have Jesse Blake. Oh. I like at the end where Jesse would edit uh, Jesse Blake. <laughs> <laughs> so bad GM, though. Noted bad GM. Yeah, horrible. Uh, we're not listening to this, but if they are, love you, Jesse. Um, we love you. We love the when you ask for questions. We love it. You, you may be able to tell, but we mention your show every episode. Oh, yeah. You're decent. Please anyway. mention us every episode. Uh, yeah, you know, definitely don't know who we are, but you know, we'll try. Okay, next time we uh, repost something, you're like, "Hey guys, we mentioned you here. Please also mention us." Big fans. It's of funny show. they just met, they just hired like a social media person, another producer. Yeah. I I've always believed that when the moment they are at a certain point, Adam Wilde's gonna leave. Whatever I think is a virgin. He's that or yeah, is a kiss or he used to be a kiss. I'm mm-hmm. convinced that his heart is with the STP. Oh, anyway, yeah. um, with that. That's everything. Thank you to Patrick. Go check out his stuff. Did he mention his Twitter user? Like, did he mention yep. his handle? Yeah, oh, he did. did. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put it's in the description. It's okay. You'll if um, you're if you're listening yeah. to this, you will find it. We'll mm-hmm. see it Sunday. Um, it won't be as Habs heavy because um, we're not going to talk about that they continue to lose games and the GM is done. So um, probably won't have a Habs heavy show for a while. There should be mentioned because we care about two teams. But if you're listening for the Leafs, there will be much more Leafs content. They also haven't played since. Um, last episode, I don't think no, so. No. It's hard to talk about a team that doesn't play. It is. Um, we'll but they're there. getting there, gradually getting there. Yeah. And, and we're not in the business of making up rumors. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, not yet until we're insiders. Indeed. Okay. We will see you later. Goodbye. <laughs>